Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Open our eyes and ears that we may hear and leave here enlightened and encouraged and strengthened because of what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say it. Hey, man, we begin every year with a uh, consecration, and we are now in the third week of our consecration, beginning it at least, and in a moment, we're going to turn over our plates, and uh, you know, you don't fast to change God. You can't change God. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fasting changes us. Also, when you turn over your plate, you're reminding your body that you're not the boss of me. You're reminding, you know what, my spirit is still in charge. And you're going to submit to me instead of me running after you uh, all week, week long. But what, what I found is when I start the year by pulling aside, giving some special attention to God and, and, and his word, uh, the year goes a whole lot, a whole lot better. So we want to start with Jesus, stay with Jesus so we can end with Jesus. And that's what this consecration is all, all about. Luke 4 and verse 1, then Jesus. Well, 2,000 years ago, the devil challenged Jesus or or God to a 100-meter race. And the devil knew that the competition wouldn't be be even, so he asked for a head start. God said, okay, I'll give you 99 and a half meter head start in our 100-meter race. And the devil said, well, you know, come on, God, I, you're omnipresent. I mean, as soon as the gun goes off, actually before the gun goes off, you're already at, at the finish line. How do I stand a chance? So God responded, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give myself the biggest handicap possible. I'll run this race as a man. Satan smirked, and and he said to himself, I finally got him. When God showed up in that manger, he was saying to the devil, I'm about to whip you with my hands and my feet tied behind my back, or better, with my hands and feet nailed to a cross. God still won. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, the only way a human being can defeat a fallen angel, the devil in particular, is with the help of the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to win in life, why would any of us try to win without him? Well, he returned from the Jordan. He had just been baptized by by John the Baptist. And you would think that he'd immediately, you know, do some great miracles, etc. But that's not the way it happened. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know, just because it's a hard place doesn't mean the Holy Spirit, God has not led you there. You see, it's the hard that makes the great. You know, I, I recognize, you know, folks a little bent out of shape over the government shutdown. 
And the deal is, you got to make sure you're trusting in the right government. Because my Bible tells me, he who watches over you and me neither slumbers nor sleeps. My Bible tells me some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we are the people who will trust in the Lord our God. My Bible tells me for promotion and security cometh neither from the east nor the west nor the south, but God is the judge. He put it down one and he set it up another. My Bible tells me 1,000 may fall at my left hand, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me or mine. That's what the book tells me. So, so I, I recognize what's happening in the world. But church, I have an announcement today. Everything's going to be all right. God kept us last time, and he'll keep us this time. He's on the throne. All your days are written in the book. All the hairs on your head are numbered. He got you, and he got this too. Amen? 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 Amen. Back to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, a lot of folk full of stuff, but full of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus going into the wilderness alone was a tremendous show of confidence. Jesus was like, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And that's the way you got to be, I ain't afraid. But no ghosts. And it was finally the devil's opportunity to, to, to see what this young Messiah was really made out of, to, to see if he was worth his salt, to test his, his metal, if you would. And the Bible says, being tempted. Now, in English, it's not as clear, but in the Greek, there's a present particle that's used. And this indicates that Jesus was not just tempted at the end of the 40 days or 40 nights, but through the entire wilderness experience. But this is important, and we need to get this particular point right. Jesus was not led into the wilderness to be tested in order for God to see if he was bad. But God led him into this temptation to verify that he was ready. You know, opportunities may arise by by accident, by happenstance, but readiness only comes through preparation. He said, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now, the Israelites had wandered in the wilderness 40 40 years, actually, and they did that because of their disobedience. It was a very short journey, but they kept messing up, and they, keep, they kept having to go around that mountain over and over and over again. But Jesus would only spend 40 days and, and 40 nights in the wilderness because of his obedience. You see, the length of time you spend in your particular wilderness is directly correlated to how well you, you trust God's process. And in those days, Jesus ate nothing. And afterward, when they ended, he was hungry. I need you to get the picture. This is a culmination of a 40-day spiritual siege 
nonstop. The adversary is trying to get in his ear, get in his mind, trying to intimidate him, trying to think he's not right, trying to think that he's, he, he's off his rocker. And then when he gets to the end and he's the most exhausted and, and the most hungry, the devil comes with these sets of temptations that we're going to read about. We're only, only going to cover one note today. But what I need you to understand about the devil is he is a bully. But the Bible talks about the devil spending eternity in hell. He is not a guy to ever feel sorry for. He waits until you're at your very, very lowest point. Then he shows up with the nastiest tricks possible. This is the nature of the beast. You know, and and I've learned in life, I I try not to make major decisions when I'm, I'm low. But I also try not to make major promises when I'm high. Permanent decisions based on temporary emotions will always lead you to regret. So, so Jesus here is, is dealing with a whole lot of pressure. There's no one cheerleading out there. No one saying, you could do it, Jesus. There's, there's no one saying, oh, that's the devil. And, and no one saying, well, you know, the devil's like, well, if God was with you, you wouldn't be out here. And, and, and it, but there was no one saying, hey, no, Jesus, you got it right. You're in the right place at the right time. No one was there. He's out there by himself. And then the adversary says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. So we see that the devil was trying to needle Jesus' sense of self-identity here. And he was hoping that he could incite Jesus to use his own supernatural power instead of relying on the Father. And that's what the devil will try to do, try to get you to fix it on your own instead of following God's plan. Remember Abraham and, and Sarah came up with that bright idea, you know what, uh, why don't you go into my concubine? And we're still fighting over there because of, of Ishmael and, and Isaac and, and that mess that they made. And, and we were often trying to come up with, with, with you know, uh, fleshly uh, plans to fulfill God's purposes. But likewise with Moses, you know, he got frustrated and the Bible said, instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock. And because of that, God would not let him enter into the promised land. And the devil knows how people are, and we get frustrated. So I'm tired of you. I'm going to do it my own way. And, and he was trying to push that button with, with, with Jesus, and it's like, well, Moses struck the rock, so, so you're going to do the same. But, but here's also the deal you need to think about. It would not have been sinful for Jesus to turn a rock into bread. That's something, you know, he could have done. The problem was the spirit behind the idea. Pay attention. What you're doing may not be technically wrong, but if you could only see the spirit behind it, you'd quit. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written. This is why we're in the Bible this year. This is not so we could check off, you know, the religious checkbox. Oh, I'm a goody goody. I read my Bible. No, that's not what this is about. We read our Bible so that when the Bible said the devil or the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. The reason we know our word is so when the adversary comes, we we can be like Jesus. We can know enough of the written word to make a citizen's arrest. Do you hear what I'm saying? But if you don't know what the law is, you won't arrest him. 
So Jesus responded, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What Jesus was saying is not even something as fundamental as food, bread, would get in the way of his obedience to God. Here's the question. When you're weak, when you've been in a siege, how much can you be bought for? A pair of thighs? I'll look this way. A pair of thighs? Some biceps? Maybe some hurt feelings? Maybe fitting in? Maybe prestige? Maybe just a little bit more money? But you see, there are like spiritual signs around us everywhere we go. That's why we invite certain things and repel others. But by Jesus' response to this temptation, he was putting up I'm not for sale sign up in the spirit realm. And what God wants each of us to do is put up a not for sale sign in the realm of the spirit. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and he did it in a moment's time. So to see all the kingdoms of the earth in, in one moment's time to let you know that this must have happened in Jesus' mind. And our greatest battles are always fought first in our minds. And the devil said to him, all this authority showed him the kingdoms, showed men and women following his dictates and making laws after his commands. He said, all this authority... I will give you. Now, here's the thing. If Satan actually had no authority, this would not have been a legitimate temptation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus knew what Satan had and what the devil didn't have. So in order for it to be legitimate, the devil really had to have been offering him something. But let's go back to the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, to dig into this just a little bit. How did the devil end up with authority on earth? Then God blessed them, and God said to them, speaking of Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Watch this. And have dominion. Now, Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and all that dwells therein. The earth belongs to God, and he exclusively has ownership of this planet. But we see here that God gave Adam dominion, Or in other words, put Adam in charge over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that that lives and moves on the earth. So what type of authority did did Adam have? Well, we can use a a common phenomenon or a common situation, if you will, that we use today to describe what happened here with Adam. Adam's authority can be likened to a lease. The landlord still owns the property. But he gives the leasee the right of temporary control. It's important. When Adam obeyed the devil instead of God, 
Romans 5 and 19 says, by a single act of disobedience, Adam subleased the planet to the devil. Now, here's the deal. I lease from the owner. But if there's no thing in the contract that says I can't sublease, I could go away for six months and then lease it out to someone else. So we see a passing of authority here. And we see that Adam, through the Bible says, you are servant to whomever you obey. This is this spiritual principle. So as soon as Adam obeyed the devil, he became his servant. Do you understand? So the good news is, though, though the devil has a lease, his lease is running out. Revelations 5 and 1, we're going to go deep, and then we're going to come out, but you're going to leave here learning and, and, and stronger. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, meaning there was so much information you had to use both sides of the paper. Sealed with seven seals. Some say that this scroll represented an ancient lease or an ancient judicial order. You see, God wants to give humanity a new lease on life, but he has to first enter a judgment against the current tenants. Though I'm the owner, if I want to evict a tenant, I got to go to the court and get a document, and then the sheriff comes and puts this stuff on the sidewalk. So we see this document with seven seals, and some feel it's a lease or a legal order. And then after they see this sealed document, John the Revelator said, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. These aren't little wimpy babies. I don't know where these baby angels come from all the time that we got these drawn. This ain't no wimpy baby angel. This is a strong angel, strong angel with a loud voice. He said, who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seal? Who can finally throw this devil out and give us another chance? And no one in heaven... And no one under the earth or on earth was able to open the scroll or even look at it. How many know the song, how the song goes, I can search the heavens high, I can search the earth, but there is no one, no one, no one. So when John the Revelator saw the judicial decree that was going to finally evict sin, crime, brokenness, and all the stuff off the planet, and no man was righteous enough to break the seal, to execute judgment. It says in verse 4, so I wept much. His shoulders are shaking because no one was found worthy. No one was righteous enough. No one lived holy enough. We, we, we all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. No one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or even to look at it. But then thank God for the elders. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep, John. Stop crying. I know something you don't know. 
Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, one of undiminished royalty, power, dominion, and strength, the root of David. Not a fiction, but the prophesied historical Messiah that became a literal human being out of the bloodline of David has prevailed. And he's going to open the scroll and loose the seven seals. In the book of Mark, people commented about Jesus' ministry. They said, he's done all things well. And there's something about Jesus. He does all things well. And what Scripture is saying is he's going to, y'all heard of the Big Bang and everything. That was supposed to get everything started. But he's going to lead us out of here with a bigger bang that got us in here in the first place. You ain't seen a bang, you hear what I'm saying? Until God resolves this thing with a trumpet, you hear what I'm saying? Let's get back to Luke 4 and 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will, I will give to you in all their glory. And then he reiterates, because this is the strength of the temptation, and it had to be true. And by the way, there's always a little truth in every lie. For this has been delivered to me. You see, Adam really messed things up. And all of us at some point let the wrong folk in our homes and in our lives. You see, one thing about the devil, you put him in the passenger seat, he's going to want to drive. Just give him a little bit of time. He's, He's that type of devil. So Adam, he messed things up for all of us. And don't get mad at Adam because all of us have agreed with him at one point or the other. We all sinned. We've all messed up. But thank God our sins are never greater than his mercy. That's the hope of the gospel. So, so the devil speak and he said, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. You see, in this temptation, he was saying, listen, Jesus, I'll give you a crown without you having to go through that cross. I got a shortcut. And you got to be careful about these shortcuts. So, so all this sounded pretty good. That's why it was a real temptation. But with everything the devil ever offers, there's always a catch. Always a catch. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll give that to you, but here's what you got to do. If you will worship before me, all will be yours. A reporter asked a famous criminal, you may have heard him, Willie Sutton, you know, he, he, why, why he robbed banks, great bank robber. And he replied real simply, well, that's where the money is. <laughs> yeah. A reporter asked Satan, why do you want to be worshipped so much? He replied, that is where all that's valuable is. Satan knows That's where the good stuff is. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.